This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. This is part of our current Sunday evening series called 18 Words You Really Need to Know. copy of God's Word, if you will, and let's start with turning to Romans. I did provide a very extensive outline. I know everyone is very nervous, aren't you? You looked at all those words and all those verses, and you got very nervous because you know your pastor. Um, I'm not going to cover all of that. That's why I gave that to you. Uh, We've been looking at on Sunday nights when, when other things are not going on. We started several weeks ago. Looking at key words, and, and there, there are several reasons why um, I, I think this is very important. One, one of the things was I remember sitting in college and sitting in a, a new, actually it was a New Testament class, and we were going through things. I remember sitting there thinking, I know my pastor was faithful, and, and I know that our, our Sunday school teachers were faithful, and uh, our youth pastors, and even growing up in church, were faithful with their teaching, but there were just so many things that I had just never heard of. Biblical words, things in Scripture, they're always there, but you never really thought about it, and it just, and it is hard. So then once I became a pastor, it is very hard to feel like that you can really teach because on Sunday mornings, it's more of a homiletical preaching, and you don't know who's here, and you got visitors, and, you know, and so I made a commitment to the Lord. If he allowed me to be a pastor and allowed me to have a, a flock, so to speak, that I would be a pastor that would set aside and, and to, to teach and to take words and concepts uh, because they are so important. And one, they're biblical. We, we just sang. Uh, I love that, you know, sometimes I think even as we sing, we're... We don't really listen to what we're saying. I'm guilty of it at times. We have the, the shield of faith and the belt of truth. We will stand against the devil's lies. We sang about it. Talking about in Galatians, the, the shield of faith, belt of truth. That, was, that came up in our, our men's conference, having the belt of truth girded. False doctrine has a root, Satan. Anything that is false comes from Satan. And, and Satan is sneaky, he's deceivious, he's a great deceiver. And, and everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Now, a lot of times with Satan and biblical truth, and, and I was reminded even this morning, I made a false theological statement, and uh, someone very graciously said, you know you said that wrong, and, I, and they repeated what I said. I said, ooh, that's very wrong. In my, in, my, in my preaching and just, you know, talking, I said that the Word was the Father. Okay, the Word is not the Father. The Word is Jesus Christ and is God, but Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not God. In the Trinity, when you think about it that way, it's, you, you know, but God is not, the, Jesus is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father, and the Father is now... Jesus is God, the Spirit is God, and the Father is God, but they are they're distinct. And so it doesn't seem like a big deal, and initially it's probably not, but if you track these things out, that's what Satan does. If he can, he can get us believing something, he knows what that's going to wind up. So sometimes 
we need to be reminded how important biblical words are. And so tonight is a great word for me because I have just experienced this theological concept in the life of my father. And so the word this week is the word justification. Uh, And it is a a legal term, and it means that we have been declared uh, right before God. And so we're not going to go through all of that. Uh, I do want to encourage you to to take this with you and to to look at it and and, uh, work through the verses yourself. But I want us to think about this from from two standpoints. We're going to go through two of the main headings, and we're going to look at a lot of Scripture in these headings. One is justification includes a, a legal declaration by God. It's something that God says. And, you know, anybody ever been to court? You don't have to raise your hands. I've been to court. And I, my joke is, if you hear your full name, you either are in trouble by the law or you owe somebody money. And so I have heard William Jonathan Beck, please come forward in a courtroom setting. As a young man, I was scared to death. I'm not going to tell you what happened. You're just going to have to be nosy and try to figure it out. And that judge stood there, and he read what had happened, and he read the thing. And, you know, it, when, he, when he said, thus say it, the judge, guess what? That was it. There was no more. That was done. When God declares something, it is done. And so when we think about salvation, you, you've heard this. We think about it in three concepts, you know. Justification is at the beginning sanctification, even though as part of the process at the beginning we are sanctified, sanctification is us living the life out. So we're, we have justification at the beginning. We have sanctification in the middle. What's the last word? Glorification. So they, they all are the aspects of salvation, but it is justification. The definition there, it is an instantaneous legal act of God in which he thinks of our sins as forgiven, and it's Christ's righteousness belonging to us. So it's not that we're just, our sins are forgiven. It's not that, okay, your sins are forgiven. You're just kind of a, a neutral person. It's not, you're not bad anymore. When we are saved, and, and that's kind of what I was alluding to this morning, there's no way in the world that I can understand that if we truly understand what the light in the life of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, that our life won't be different. Because it's not just, okay, your sins are for heaven, you can go to, you, your sins are forgiven, you can go to heaven now. Not only does he take our sins away, but then he clothes us with Christ righteousness and so we are righteous in Christ because of what God has done through the blood of Christ and our forgiveness of sins so let's dive into the word we're going to start there in Romans chapter 5 Romans chapter 5 why is justification important I share this I, I spent a long time with my dad this past week he's doing somewhat better uh, we know in the next couple of weeks we're going to know exactly where he stands officially, emotionally, and as he works through this. And that many people have asked. He has had some stroke-like symptoms, and some of his mental capacity is not where it needs to be. And physically he's been sick. And so, you know, as you get a little older, it's harder to bounce back. So continue to pray for him. But I talked with him for a long time the other night. And the thing that he is really struggling with, what about my past? You know. What about the things I've done? You know, can, can I be forgiven? What is the answer to that? Yes. How often do I have to ask for it? Once. Once and mean it, and your sins are forgiven. Doesn't mean you continue to sin, does it? But it, you're, 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 it's done. That's why Christ died on the cross. 
so that we may receive forgiveness. That's what makes the gospel, if you think about it, that's what sharing the gospel is all about. You, you are literally sharing the, the message of everlasting hope with someone that is a sinner and they are damned because of their sin. And we are literally sharing with them the news that God would declare you just because of what Christ has done. And not only are you just, but you are righteous. You are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So that first section we're going to cover is that Halfway on that first thing, justification includes a legal declaration by God. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and there's so much scripture we could look at. Therefore, since we have been, sometimes we just need to slow down as we read scripture. You know, it's good to read the Bible through in a year, and that's a good goal to have. But sometimes it's just reading the Bible slowly and meditating and thinking and praying. Therefore... And we're going to look at other parts of Romans. But therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our, I love the personal aspect there, Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that in many different ways. Can we have peace with God through any other means than Jesus Christ? And the answer is no. But that word is there. You have been declared right. You have been declared forgiven. You have been declared righteous by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in Scripture, justification is a legal declaration by God that means to declare righteous. This is the case in numerous passages that talk about us being declared righteous by God. Romans 5 is one of them. We'll look at some of those others. While generation, regeneration is an act of God within us, so when we are regenerated, we're born again. When, when we ask Jesus into our heart, remember that's what a lot of times younger folks say, when we are born again, that is from the inside out. That is God gives us a new heart. We are born again and we are quickened to life, as the old King James would say. We have been quickened, and that is from the inside out. We're, we're a new body in Christ. Justification is a, a judgment of God with respect to us, such as a judge would do in declaring someone not guilty. It's more of God declaring something. You are no longer guilty. It's the idea that Christ would, would be standing by us, looking at God the Father, and saying, this one is with me. And because of that relationship we have with Christ and the blood and the body of Christ, it is God that declares us forgiven. This declaration involves two aspects, and this is important. First, it means that he declares that they have no penalty to pay for in regards to our sin. Past, present, and even future. So that's why it's important that we understand, and, and we as Baptistic people believe that you cannot lose your salvation. There, there, if we've already been dead, and now we're alive, okay, that makes sense, doesn't it? All right, we were dead, and Scripture says that we're alive. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but God has made us alive in Christ. He has declared us not guilty, right? That's justification. Think about it. He's declared us not guilty. He knows everything, right? He sees the present, the past, and the future. How many people believe that? If we don't, you're going to live a sad life of, of growing as a Christian. The only way we're going to get through life is knowing that he is in control. 
So we know he sees the past, he sees the now, he sees the future. That's God. That's why we pray. He's already declared us unright. He's already declared us forgiven. Why would he change his mind midstream? If we can lose that, is there going to be something that we can do that all of a sudden God's going to call us back into the courtroom and say, no, now you are guilty. That would be like Christ saying, but, but I died for this one, and he knows I died for this one. This one was with me. Before the, and Scripture even says, before the foundation of the world. Christ says, this one was with me. And God's going to declare, well, he's guilty now. Well, we know that's not possible. And so that is why the doctrine of eternal security and the perseverance of the saint is why I tell people it's not, a, it's not necessarily just a Baptist thing. It's a biblical thing. And that's why these facts and these biblical aspects are so important. That's what makes the gospel so great. There's nothing that we can do or have done that we cannot be forgiven for if we repent of them and believe what Christ has done for us and then God declares us forgiven. Romans chapter 8, and it's, it's kind of a neat way to witness to people. I always try to say it this way. If you don't believe me, believe God, right? If you don't believe me, believe God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation is for those? And we think of that word condemnation, that is the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon people. And there's going to be a, a, a payday someday for everyone that does not know Christ. When Christ returns, it's going to be the, the undiluted wrath that will fall upon society. But there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, and I love this word, we talked about this morning, of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Drop down to verse 34, 33 and 34. I'll begin in verse 31, I'm beginning of that paragraph. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When you have a bad day, just remember that. If God is for us, who can be against us? When it looks like that everything is about to fail, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Now, you know this, who are the elect? Those that have professed faith in Christ. Again, I always share this example. This is a very mature believer, pastor, denominational worker for the Southern Baptist Convention. Not long ago asked me this. He said, I don't know if I really believe in this election thing. Well, for one, I said, and I knew him well enough I could be real sarcastic with him. Well, it doesn't matter really what you believe about it or not. It is biblical. And he said, well, it doesn't make any sense to me if you're not elect and you're not chosen, you're not this, and you want to be elect, and you want to be chosen, you're going to get to heaven, and God's going to say you're not elect. And I said, listen, what's my favorite word this month for people that say stuff like that? That The people are missing it. The elect are those that have professed faith in Christ. 
the chosen, the, the, the precious, the Peter talks about that, the, those that are his, the royal priesthood, the chosen nation, the elect are those that have professed. So it'd be like me going, I profess faith in Christ. I repent of my sin. I pray to receive Christ. I've, I've joined the church. I believe in, I follow through the believer's baptism. I love Jesus. I want to go to heaven when I die. I love the Bible. I love you. I love everything. I'm not going to get to heaven and go, is John elect? We don't have him on here. No, election is those that have and will. And it's the idea that what, what God has ordained it will happen. It, it, we get so, that election to me is one of the greatest words in Scripture because I know He is God and I know that He has saved me and I know that I'm saved. I've repented of my sin and placed my faith in Christ. Who can bring a charge against me? I'm His. Sometimes we just need to remind the old boogeyman about that. What was that Veggie Tale song? I used to sing that, Sharon. What is, how does that go? I've not gotten old. I'm not afraid of the boogeyman. Is that how it goes? God is, thank you. I used to sing that, but I'm getting old. Dementia's sitting in them. God is bigger than the boogeyman. That's one of my favorite Veggie Tale songs. Not good theology because fruit and animals should not declare the things of God, but that's another theological story. I had a lady come to me as a pastor and going, Pastor, I have a theological problem. There's heresy in the church. And I remember going, oh, dear Lord Jesus, what's going on now? We've got heresy in the nursery. True story. I said, what is it? We've got veggie tales. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm trying to be all pastoral. And she goes, vegetables do not declare the gospel. You are thinking too much. You are correct. Cucumbers do not talk and declare the glory of God with their mouth, but I got you. But I was greatly encouraged when the cucumber says that God is bigger than the boogeyman. She did make me think, and that's good to think. We all need people in our midst that make us think. But there is no condemnation. There, who can bring a charge against me? It is God. That's what the, who can bring a charge against me? It is God who justifies. You can't bring a charge against me because God has already declared there's no charge against me. And so what the devil does, I'll be saying, the devil likes to lie, to nip at our heels and to remind us, you're not this, you're not that. Has anybody, I want you to be real honest, has anybody ever struggled with their assurance? Y'all wait and see everybody raise their hand. Everybody please raise your hand. At some point of fashion, we've, I've got a friend right now that prays. He said, every time I see Billy Graham, I pray to receive Christ again. Well, I don't know if that's healthy. But the devil loves to remind us, you may not be saved. A saved person wouldn't do that. So I just tell him, who can bring a charge against me because he's already said I am. That's why it's so important that we do have an assurance based on repentance over sin a key, key, key element of assurance, I don't care if you're 5 or 105, did you come to God over your sin? If you came just to be baptized, if you came, you don't remember, if you, did you come to God over sin? That, that's salvation. You're a sinner and you're asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. You believe in his finished work on the cross and you're asking him to save you and the Spirit has quickened your heart. goes on to say, who is to condemn Verse 34, 
Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that. He was raised. And so how can you judge me? How can you bring a charge against me? I've been justified. I know that I'm saved. I know God has done something in my life. I know God wants to use my life because he sent his son. His son died on the cross. And the resurrection is where we get the power to live the Christian life out. He conquered Satan when he rose again. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed? And I love, interceding for us. What's the next thing he's going to do? It's coming again. Who can bring a charge against us? Think of all that Christ has done. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We have been declared just. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Romans 4, 6, and 8, and I'll just read it from my notes. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not count his sin. Isn't that incredible to think about? I heard a testimony this week, and the gentleman was talking about just personal struggles. And he says, just living in the world that we live in, we have personal struggles. Anybody impatient this week? Anybody get a little grumpy this week? Anybody do something you know you weren't supposed to do this week? And he was saying that just in daily struggles, he said, it is so encouraging to know that I'll never be perfect this side of heaven. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. But I'm striving to live for Christ. And he said, I know that I can... I can, I can leave, he was talking about, I can leave the house and know I wasn't the best dad or the best husband when I left. And he knows I can get in that car and the Holy Spirit's going to convict me of it. And God's going to wear me out over And he said, I can bow my head in my heart and say, Lord, forgive me. And I'm forgiven. Blessed is the man against the Lord will count not his sin. Remember what justification includes, our past, our present, and even our future sins. That we are forgiven. Secondly, number two under that first main heading. Forgiving our sins only makes us morally neutral before God. So it's like we're we're a sinner, now we're just nothing. The sins are taken away. Well, that's not right. I mean, there's more to it than that. It's not that our sins are just forgiven. Scripture teaches that in our justification, God declares us to have the merits of perfect righteousness before him. You know, the temple is torn and we have access now. It's not because our sins are forgiven. It's because our sins are forgiven and we now have the righteousness of God. Don't turn there, but Isaiah, you've got the notes. Isaiah 61.10, Isaiah says that God covered him. And I love this, the picture there with a robe of righteousness. Turn to Romans 3. We're going to flip to Romans 3, the beginning of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Beginning in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, revealed apart from the law. We discussed several weeks ago about the Old Testament and that came up in our Q&A time and the pastor talked about how Christ fulfills the Old Testament law, how, how Christ fulfills that. Somebody made a comment on, on uh, Facebook. Don't you just love to hate Facebook? They made a comment, Lord. They didn't know how quick I could delete that comment, though. And they made a comment about 
truly worshiping the Lord, and it was like, but only if you do it on the right Sabbath. See, I have a notification if you put anything on my Facebook, and I can delete anything I don't want on there. And I just went, delete. What was this person saying? The only way God's going to be pleased with us if we're following the Old Testament law. That doesn't even make sense. It does make sense if you're not thinking. I mean, you could say, well, it's in the Bible. Yes, but in what context are we reading that? It, it does make sense if you have none. But we're, we're taking Christ and we're putting Christ. It's like we're, we're going up to heaven and we're saying, hey, Christ, can you come down to the right hand of the Father real quick? Could you come with me real quick? Could, hey, roll the stone back. Would you get back in? And on the third day, we're going to come back and we're going to drag you back out and we're going to nail you back on the cross again. And then we're going to take you off the cross and then we're going to backtrack and we're just going to walk back about three years and we're going to put you back in Mary and we're going to put you back in the manger and then we're going to live under the Old Testament law again. That's how ridiculous that is. The Old Testament is is the Word of God and the Old Testament was written to teach us truth and things about the Lord. The Old Testament, all that doing is pointing toward Jesus. If we don't think the cross is enough, that God is expecting us to live the Old Testament law, we've totally missed Calvary. And as simple as that sounds, again, but once you start down that road, it gets real, real crooked real quick. Christ is enough. Romans 3, I'm still there. But now the righteous God have been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. They're, they're pointing to it. Everything points to Jesus. Everything points toward Christ. The righteousness of God through faith, that's the witness, okay? The prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. Paul speaks about being made righteous before God through our faith. That's where faith comes into play. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4 verse 3. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now that would be a great question for the next pastor talk. How did Abraham get saved before the cross? That's a great that's a great question. He got saved through the gospel. He got saved because of Christ. I might remember to ask that question. That'll be a good one. But notice what the word says. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. Romans 5.19, in speaking of justification, Paul says that by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Look at 5.19. For as by one man's obedience there are many sinners, so by one man's obedience that many will be made righteous. Who is that many? For those that have faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the big first heading. Justification includes a, a legal declaration by God. But here's another aspect, and we can never leave grace out. You'll notice in the, in the first part of there, and I think it's important to know this, you can read it. When you think about the Protestant Reformation to where we, you know, and somebody, you know, 
we, we think about the, the Protestant Reformation. The Protestant Reformation was a split from the Catholic Church. And, and I really believe historically it is very accurate and we understand that out of the Protestant Reformation is where we have all non-Catholic churches. Baptists, Methodists, anybody. You fill in the blank. We were all burnt because there was one holy Roman Catholic Church at that time. And so what the Reformation did is said, something's wrong. Who was the guy that, that started that? Martin Luther. My brother, when he, I think it was my brother when he was younger, he was reading something historical about Martin Luther, and he, for the, for the whole chapter of the book he was reading, he thought it was Martin Luther Jr. I said, wrong Martin Luther. Wrong fight. So Martin Luther decided, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, something's wrong. And that something was how we justified. The Roman Catholic Church believed that you were justified because of who you were and what you did. And the Protestant Reformation said we're justified because of what God has done. And there's nothing else. That's pretty important. Even though in Baptist circles we don't talk as much about the Reformation as we used to many, many years ago. But if it wasn't for that, we'd all be part of the Roman Catholic Church. And we wouldn't understand. Now, I will say this. This, this is pretty bold. The primary issue in the Protestant Reformation was a dispute with the Roman Catholic Church over justification. A true view of justification is the dividing line between the biblical gospel of salvation by faith alone and all false gospels of salvation based on good works. And I mentioned that this morning. If it's not the real gospel, can it be real salvation? If we don't get the gospel right, can salvation be right? And that's what is so important that we as a church make sure we get the gospel right. So that second line there, that second big bold thing you have. Justification comes to us entirely by God's grace, not on account of any merit of ourselves. So that's what grace is so important because it's not based on us. It's based on what we can do, but rather on what God has done. Look at Romans 3.20. If I was standing before God, here's another way to think of it. If I was standing before God and God says, you're not guilty because you did that. Would that mean that I earned my forgiveness? If I'm standing before God and he says, okay, you're not guilty because you're not as bad as the people behind you. Oh, you're not guilty because you, you tried real hard. No, the idea of justification is, God, forgive me for all I've sinned and fall short. I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I do. See, that's grace. It's all grace. Romans 3.20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. No human being will be justified in God's sight by works of the law. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor, to earn God's merit. And that's what Luther was saying. We can never earn our way into heaven. It's not about penance. It's not about the sacraments. It's not about anything. There's nothing we can do to please God that we can get to heaven one day and hope we've done enough and our salvation is rest insured. No. No human being will be justified apart from Christ. 
For the rights of God through faith, for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Look at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. There's that word. You didn't know it was in there so many times, did you? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We knew that was in there. And are justified by his grace as a gift. How is that gift received? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. To as many as believed in his name, has received and believed in his name, he has made them children of God. John 1 and following. We'll get to that in a few weeks. It is through redemption that we are justified in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace we've been saved through works, not of ourselves. We are justified by grace and not by works. And the scripture even reminds us, so no man can boast. That's a great verse to leave on, isn't it? I don't, I mean, it's a big word. I don't, I mean, don't ever say this. I was guilty of this. I just don't have time for all these. It makes me think too much. I want everybody to wrestle with, I heard, I think it was John Piper or somebody said that. We need to be wrestling with God's word in a positive way. The devil doesn't want us to wrestle with these things. He doesn't want us to dig into the word. I am justified. I don't, I, I'd be the first one to admit there are a lot of things I cannot wrap my hands and arms around. I say that a lot. I can't wrap my arms around it, but I believe it. And I don't know, the Trinity, I can't, you can't explain the Trinity. There's, you know, we need to show that video, uh, Matt. Matt and I were talking about the, the Trinity video. You cannot humanly there, and you'll think there is. You'll say, well, I, Brother Pastor, there is. There is no human way to explain logically the Trinity. You just have to have faith that Jesus is not the Father and not the Spirit, but he is God. And that the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit is not the Son or not the Father, but he is God. It is by, we could say, I, well, I just don't understand all that justification. I don't understand all of that. Well, you may not understand it, but you better embrace it and try to understand it. We are justified by grace through faith as a gift from God. And this is what I love about it. So no man can boast. I went back, anytime I go back home, anytime I go back home, I, hit, I see this random person that runs up to me. And I, always the same way. Is that John Beck? Don't you love living in a small town? True story. Emily was with me. Dad, who was that person? True story. They didn't have any teeth. I said, well, they didn't age as good as I did. <laughs> Same age. I guess they had some denture problems going on. Is that John Beck? Oh, my goodness. Are you really a preacher? Do you think I stand up and go, why, of course I am. Why would I not be? Why wouldn't God use me? That's boasting in me. Yes, I am. Well, you were the wild. He just, he looked right at him, and that boy, he was so wild. We loved him, and he was fun, but he was wild. Yes, I was. But I boast in nothing but God's grace and mercy. I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve forgiveness, but 
It's by grace through faith that God declared me righteous. He forgave my sin and he clothed me with righteousness. And I cannot boast in anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why these words matter. That's why justification does matter. The world needs to hear that they can be declared forgiven and be declared righteous if they will place their faith in Christ. And they won't be able to boast in anything but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's the gospel. And that's why it's so important. It goes on to say, and and I knew I would not get here. That's why I want to print everything off. So aren't you grateful? It is through faith in Christ. So we know God is working. We know God is doing something that we'll never understand. We'll never be able to grasp the beginning and the end and the now and what all that means. We know God is working behind the scenes. He always has. Everything that takes place is in the the counsel of God's will. But it's only through faith in Christ that it comes to be. That's why we share the gospel. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we plead with people to hear the gospel and respond to it. Because it's only through faith in Christ that justification justification comes into their life. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for our time this evening. We thank you for the richness of your word. And those difficult things is justification. Well, we're grateful that there are words that are rich in Scripture. We're thankful that you inspired the writers in such a way that we have exactly what it is that we need to hear and see and believe. And so, Lord, I pray as we, as we sing tonight that we rest in the assurance of our salvation and our justification and our sanctification and our future glorification. And I pray that it stirs within our heart to be a people that believes in the power of the gospel to change lives. That as we pray for you to save those, every evangelistic prayer that we lift up for you, God, to save our family, save our neighbor, save our city, save our nation. We know that it is by sharing that gospel and as they respond in faith to that gospel that you will declare them forgiven and righteous let us rest in that tonight let us get excited about our faith and boast in no one but to boast in you we pray this and ask this in christ's name amen